Good afternoon and welcome to Post to Post. I am your host, Anthony Cavaretta, and today we are coming to you for the free agent frenzy and a little bit of draft news as it has been a crazy week here in October. What we would normally be doing is talking about the start of the season. Who do we see as being a contender after months of relaxation and rehabilitation for these teams? But now, you know, the Stanley Cup was awarded earlier this month. And uh, first off, congratulations, as me and Ryan will not be playing the lottery anytime soon, as the year Stanley Cup champions are the Tampa Bay Lightning. Yeah, I, I think we may have gotten the game numbers right. I think one of us said in six. But yeah, I, we did we say got in the six. Game completely wrong. I don't know why we thought that they were going to ch- choke. I think what seriously was the difference maker for Tampa Bay was just seeing Stamkos play and score for two and a half minutes. That's it. That was the difference. I also give ourselves – give let's give us the benefit of the doubt – at the time, we didn't know it was Tampa versus Dallas. You know, we we recorded and everything the day, like the last day of the Eastern Conference Final. So, you know, there was a little bit of we didn't know what the teams were going to look like. But no, it was, to be honest, if you would have told me at the uh, beginning of the bubble that Tampa was going to win, I would have believed you. You know, they were by far the strongest built team in the bubble. Like, it, it only made sense. And I feel bad for Dallas. They had a good run, but. You know, it was Tampa's cup to lose. It, it was, and it has been for years. And they finally got over the hump. It's, it's kind of like with Washington a couple of years ago. They would never get past the second round. And the second they got past the second round, they won it. So it was really Tampa's to lose. And a big part of that was their, was their defense, because I keep coming back to what I heard during, I forget exactly who were on NBC said it, but someone had said that Tampa Bay's defense is not elite. And I just start listing off all the defensemen that they have. I'm like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Are you kidding me? That defense shut down both. They shut down every team they played. They shut down Columbus. They shut down Boston. They shut down the Islanders. And then they shut down. They really shut down Dallas to a point where, you know, your, your star players like Tyler Sagan didn't even put a point up in games it was ridiculous so that you know that defense won you that title not to mention Vasilevsky and an outstanding playoff by Braden Point who I think got snubbed from the con smite what oh me too I I wholeheartedly agree with that I was fully expecting it to be Braden Point and then when Gary Bettman said Victor Hedman I'm like I'm sorry what (laughs) (laughs) that's a weird way of pronouncing Braden Point very weird But, yeah, so, you know, congratulations to the Tampa Bay Lightning on finally winning a Stanley Cup. It has only taken you 10 years. Long overdue. Long Stevie Wise's name is all over this. I know he's not going to get a ring, but he should should be getting a ring because he was the architect behind this. And I'm not 100% sure who the GM is right now. The name's not coming to me, but better buy Stevie something very nice because – he got that man a cup. Absolutely. So, you know, as we've, you know, the whole bubble experiment, the NHL 2020 playoff bubble, you know, I actually want to ask, how did you think that worked? Because I really did enjoy it. I thought, you know, it was a good way to bring the season back. And I think that possibly we may have to use it um, come January 1st is when the tentative start date for the next season is. And I didn't hate it. 
but I feel like I would prefer the way we had it before the bubble, but I do like the way the bubble did work. Yeah, I mean, the bubble probably surpassed just about everybody's expectations. Um, I mean, there were no COVID cases during the bubble of really anyone, and you didn't really feel like it was in a bubble aside from, well, the crowd wasn't as loud, but they were using some fake crowd noise, but the crowd obviously wasn't as loud. But when you're watching a hockey game, that doesn't necessarily matter as much because you don't, you don't really see them. You just kind of know that they're there. So if you would just put someone in front of a TV and said that there's no crowd, I don't necessarily know if they didn't already know there was no crowd, they wouldn't have been able to tell. The only thing that I didn't necessarily understand was the, um, I get they they were trying to push all the games together, but was the, when the Islanders and the Lightning had to, well, mostly the Islanders, when they had to go to Edmonton, they had like less than a day to recuperate. And then it was back on the ice. They were ridiculously jet lagged. So I would say I would give them another day just because you have to get used to a different time zone. You got to settle into a a whole other bubble and a whole other hotel while Tampa was already there for a a week. Yeah. You know, there's a, there's a few things like that, that, you know, you kind of just have to brush aside and just say, okay, it it, it happened. That that's not something that was really under their control because the NHL really had, they only had, I think, they really wanted to keep it as small as a window as possible. Because don't forget, you know, right after the Stanley Cup was awarded, I think we had a week. And then we had the draft, free agency, and then arbitration. And then all that has to happen. And then you all have to prep for next season to start. So I kind of understand why everything was pushed together. Like, it sucks, but at the end of the day, it worked. Yeah, it did work. And I actually thought it was uh, a better – it went over better than I I expected it to be. And if, God forbid, we do have to start next season like this or some expanded version of it, while it's going to suck not being at at games again for a while, it worked. So whatever works and whatever can get the players on the ice and get the games in, you got to do it. These are unprecedented times. Absolutely. One more piece of news before we get into all of the trades and free agent signings and all that fun stuff that we always have to get to is um, we actually have, because I'm, I'm waiting for, I was actually expecting a lot more of these, you know, player retirements after the bubble. And the only real big one that we've heard so far is that Justin Williams, Mr. Game 7 retires after 19 years in the league, you know, two, two stand, I think two or three Stanley Cups he has. He has a con Smythe and just unbelievable player and really just congrats on retirement. <laughs> really. That's the, that's the only thing you could say. Yeah. He had a, he had a great career. As you said, nickname, Mr. Game seven was, and rightfully so has the most points in game sevens in NHL history. So he may not necessarily be a big fan of the nickname, but it's his nickname for a very good reason. He, he had a very, very nice career as you said, won some cups, carried the Hurricanes, was captain of them not too long ago. So all the best to Justin Williams in retirement and also to Matt Niskanen, who did retire a lot earlier than I expected at 
33, but you know, COVID concerns. So best of luck to Justin Williams and Matt Niskanen, wherever their uh, lives now after the NHL will take them. All right. So now we're going to get into all of the trades that we have up to this point as today of October 11th, we, you know, some things will happen. They may happen rapid fire, but we're going to try to go through these as detailed as we can with the, you know, the knowledge that we know. So I'm going to start back first trade to report from October 4th, the Kings acquired Oli Mata from the Blackhawks in exchange for forward Brad Morrison. This was kind of an okay trade. I feel bad for Oli Mata. He's been bouncing around a bit, but you know, hopefully this really didn't, this was one of the trades. I'm like, okay, we can start with this. It wasn't a big name moving. There were bigger names to be moved in the coming days, but to start off the trades and everything, Oli Mata, all right, not bad. Yeah, um, I, as you said, I do feel bad for Olimata. He's been bouncing around from team to team. Uh, but this was a necessary move by the Kings. They need, they need some work. As we saw throughout the season, they finished in the, towards the bottom of the standings, didn't make the playoffs, was one of the seven teams left out. They needed, they needed help just about everywhere and might as well start with defense because – you know, the old saying goes, defense wins championships. And I'm not saying they're anywhere near that, but it's a good first step. So then on, we had the next few trades. We had two trades to report from October 5th, both including the San Jose Sharks and the Minnesota Wild. And the first one was the Sharks acquired Ryan Donato from Minnesota in exchange for a 2021 third round pick. And this is where you start to see some interesting things happening because this was a few days. This was the uh, few days before or a day of the draft when a lot of picks were moved. So this one was interesting. I don't understand this. These these two sharks and uh, wild trade. The other trade being that the sharks acquired goaltender Devin Dubnik and a 2022 seventh round pick from Minnesota in exchange for a 2022 fifth rounder. I don't understand where each of these two teams are coming from because the Sharks are not in a play. I, you know, to me at least, they're not in a place of contention anymore. I think that window closed in 2000 and, uh, 2019 with a loss to St. Louis in the conference final. And Minnesota, I don't understand. Like, we'll, we'll get to this later in the free agency signings and stuff too. But I don't understand Minnesota's tactic right now. I don't know if they're a rebuilding team, if they're still thinking they're in contention, because just it doesn't make sense to me what they're doing. Yeah, uh, these two trades didn't really make sense to me from either side. Um, start with the Donato trade. He came over to Minnesota from Boston in the trade that sent Charlie Coyle to the Bruins. And this kid very bright future has already played in the Olympics for team USA did very well. And he's already been traded twice. He has a very high ceiling and I'm not quite sure why teams have just keep giving up on him. And then from the sharks perspective, acquiring uh, Devin Dubnik, I'm not sure why they decided to do that considering they're very tight on cap space anyway with they got Kane's making about $7 million a year. Martin Jones is already making a lot. Brent Burns and Eric Carlson are making a lot. And um, Logan Couture is making a lot. 
So they don't really have a lot of space. And to go out and get a goalie who is more than likely not even going to be your starter and to pay him as much as he's making, probably like four, four and a half million dollars, doesn't really make much sense to me. But it was for Minnesota, they did have to shed that salary because they do have a lot on the books. Yeah, they do. And I, it should, I, it's really interesting because the way I look at this is, um, and this will come into play much later when we talk about the free agent signings, is that having cap space and having picks is kind of a luxury now because they want to, all these teams want to make sure that they're set up for the next season and the season after, because there's a lot of uncertainty with just those two seasons in particular, especially because you have a new team coming in in 2022. So there's a few different There's a few things that have to get figured out. I think for a lot of these 31 franchises before anything else really happens. So the next trade up and we have our first big name movement on October 6th, which was the Columbus Blue Jackets acquire forward Max Domi and a 2023rd rounder from the Canadians in exchange for Josh Anderson, who immediately a day later signed a seven-year, $38.5 million extension. And then Domi signed an extension with Columbus for two years at $10.6 million. So interesting. I don't know why Montreal would trade Domi. He seemed like a young piece to an aspiring core in Montreal. And this also kind of feels like a cap dump for Columbus because I heard that at the time, now, you know, I've heard from several sources that they're out entirely, but Columbus was trying to make space for either Hall, Petrangelo, or both, but that has not happened. Uh, we can basically almost confirm that that has not happened. But Yeah, and I don't see I, – I mean, regardless, I didn't necessarily see either of them going there anyway. <laughs> But yeah, so and then I like the Domi pickup for Columbus. I feel like he, he'll bring some more star power to a team who's been kind of lacking, but is not, you know, Columbus is, not, is by no means bad. You know, we've seen that in the last two playoff series against Tampa Bay. They're not bad. They just need a little bit more star power and a little bit more of offensive and defensive power on both sides because their goaltending seems to be fine with Elvis and Net and Corpusalo as well. You know, you're going to need those two guys to play out of their minds, but you do need some more help in the defensive core and the offensive core. And I think Domi brings that. And for two years at 10.6, that's not bad. Anderson going the other way, okay. You know, the sign immediately signing him does make it sting a little less, but I'm very surprised that, you know, Bergevin's doing all this and, you know, I, Montreal really – I don't know what – once again, Montreal, I think, is in the same boat as Minnesota and San Jose. What direction are you going? Yeah, uh, this was one of those trades that I kind of – when I, I look at it and I feel like it probably could have just been player for player straight up, not necessarily needing the pick. And, I mean, at least in my eyes, personally, I would think Max Domi had a little bit more value than Josh Anderson – who didn't necessarily, to me, strike me as an immediate seven-year extension guy. But, I mean, this is ultimately, I feel like it could be a win-win for both teams. 
It could be, but I'm I'm kind of skeptical about how this goes. I kind of want to see how both these players adjust and how the teams look in the upcoming season. Cause it's, it's, I think it's one of those trades that you need to like sit and see how it works out before we actually make a uh, assumption on it. Yeah. I mean, I think that's also part of the reason why Domi got only a two year deal. I don't know if that was his idea or Columbus is like, all right, we'll give you a year. And then if you don't perform up to what we expect, then all right, maybe you'll go to Seattle. Yeah, and I think – and that's what we're going to see later when we look at all the free agent signings. A lot of two, three-year deals that kind of make sense with the expansion draft coming up because, you know, you've already had one expansion draft um, in – I believe in set in 2017, and nobody was really prepared for that. And then everybody's like, oh, wow, Vegas is good, and that's where – that's what happened. But now it's like, all right, we can prepare for the Seattle expansion to prove that we don't give them, you know – a really stacked team. So next trade up is an interesting one, kind of one that was speculated a while before, but uh, the Ottawa Senators acquired goaltender Matt Murray from the Penguins in exchange for forward Jonathan Gruden, a 2020 second round pick, uh, which ended up being a 52nd overall. And Murray then re-signed with Ottawa for a four-year $25 million hit. And that's an interesting I, – I honestly thought it would have been better if it was five years. I remember it first being broken as a five-year extension, but four years at 25 mil, all right. You could, I would have preferred an extra year to make that a little bit more even. But good pickup for Ottawa, and Ottawa's on the right track. I hate to say that, but Ottawa's on the right track. Yeah, that was a very good pickup by, uh, by Ottawa. They needed a goalie very badly, especially with uh, Craig Anderson calling it quits. Um, a little bit surprised that it was Murray, honestly, because I, I know the Penguins towards last year gave more starts to Tristan Jari. But when they had that whole Flurry-Murray conversation, Matt Murray ran away with it. And while his play did diminish a little bit, I didn't necessarily expect them to trade him away so soon. But for Ottawa, it's it's definitely a good pickup. Matt Murray, we've seen what he's capable of in the regular season and especially in the playoffs. You need good goaltending in the playoffs. And Matt Murray is a good playoff goaltender. So should Ottawa get there by some miracle, then they'll be fine in net. It's just everything else they're going to need to worry about. Yeah, and you know, we as we know, there's no longer any members of the Ottawa Senators who made that run in 2017, as we now know that Bobby Ryan was bought out of his contract and signed elsewhere. But you know, so now it's it's a new age in Ottawa, and they did extremely well for themselves, in my opinion, in the draft, and they should be a solid team in the future, not yet. And also, props to bringing back the 2D logo. Love those jerseys. Yeah, I'm not uh, necessarily a huge fan of that logo. I think it, I know it's 2D. It just kind of looks a little plain to me, but I've never really been a huge fan of the Ottawa logo to begin with. But this might be one of those, all right, we're thinking rebrand, change things up. Maybe it'll in some way, shape, or form help us. I mean, kind of help Dallas. So, I mean, why not? Yeah. 
it's interesting. I I was really happy when they brought it back, but you know, I know that that that's not for everyone. But it become it, it harkens back to a simpler time when you know when Zdeno Char was an Ottawa senator. So yeah, yes, because we love remembering those times. Me, the Islander fan, loves remembering the time when Zdeno Chara came to Ottawa. Yeah. So now we'll move on. A few of these trades we can go through pretty quickly. They're only trades that happened during the draft. So we're not going to really mention the players who were picked because they were really nobody at this point. So the LA Kings acquired forward Leas Anderson from the New York Rangers in exchange for the, a 2020 second round pick, which ended up being 60th overall. Now, a lot of people, I was really disappointed with this return because I understand Leas Anderson, he was a seventh overall pick in 2017. And you're getting a second rounder. For him, that's it. Not even like maybe a two picks or a prospect or something. No. All right. I'm not going to complain because he's, you know, he doesn't, he didn't want to play for the Rangers, which, all right. Okay, cool. Whatever. I understand that. You, you, you don't, you don't fit. You don't think you fit into the system. And now you go to LA, which I don't even think LA wants him. The only reason I found out later that the only reason he signed, he went to LA was because his dad is a European scout there. So, okay. Yeah, this this kid's got some things to work on before he can make it. Um, I mean, first off, not many people will s- just straight up say, no, I don't want to be a ranger. Not many people are going to say that. And while they did not necessarily get the highest value for him. I think once once a player says, I don't want to be here, you kind of just get whatever you can. And yeah, seventh overall pick, I understand that part, but you still got more than, uh, the, than the Blue Jackets got when they traded Ryan Murray, who was a number two overall pick. And he's been in the NHL for a while so I mean it was kind of a necessary trade for the Rangers he was just kind of going to rot that rot in, in Hartford if he wasn't traded so he gets somewhat of a fresh start and the the Rangers got got a second round pick out of it and yeah so you kind of just got to look at the bright side on that trade so next up there was another trade nick benino was traded to the minnesota wild by the predators for luke coonan on wednesday and the wild also received a second round pick which was 37th overall a third round pick 70th overall in the 2020 draft but the predators also receive in return a fourth rounder number 101 in the in the in the, this past draft so Kind of just a Nick Benino was kind of a dump there. It was more of a pick thing. So nothing really crazy. Once again, I don't know why Minnesota would would want to take Nick Benino, but all right. Yeah, I don't I don't quite understand this one either, especially since they just cleared salary when they traded Devin Dubnik, and now they go out and acquire Nick Benino, who is a pretty decent salary hit this already after trading Eric Stahl's salary away to Buffalo and for they give up on Luke Coonan who's he's about to turn 23 he was 15th overall in 2016 
And I don't, I don't know why Minnesota's given up on these on these young players. First Donato, now Coonan. In the last season, Coonan he did pretty well. He had 31 points in 63 games. So it's not like he's underperforming. I mean, how you how much can you really ask for from a player who doesn't have that much NHL experience? So I'm not quite sure what Bill Guerin's up to over there in uh, Minnesota, but one way or another, they're going to have to pick whether to tear it down or go for it because they're stuck in the middle and some of these moves just don't really make a lot of sense unless there's something that he sees that we are not seeing. Yeah, I, I never – I've said it a thousand times with Minnesota. And you could check any of the other episodes on Spotify that I do not. I never understood Minnesota's mindset. They're always a perennial, like, first-round exit. That's it. And th- this is just kind of pushing that narrative. Like, they're, they're, they're a directionless franchise at this point. So, it's just very odd. So, next trade up was the Ottawa Senators acquired defenseman Eric Gabranson from the Anaheim Ducks in exchange for a 2021 fifth-round pick. Nothing crazy. Ottawa picks up a decent defenseman. Yeah, which is where the the Senators definitely they need help. Just again, just about everywhere. Defense a good place to start. They got another piece to throw in there alongside Thomas Shabbat. So at a fifth rounder, not a high, not a high price to pay. And then next up would be is the New Jersey Devils. Acquired defenseman Ryan Murray from the Columbus Blue Jackets in exchange for a 2021 fifth round pick. The Devils, once again, I think the Devils are trying, what they're trying to do here is they're really just making sure that they can fix the team well enough that they can at least compete because the Metro division is going to be stacked as usual. And it really should be, they, they're, what they're trying to do is just get enough players so they could kind of be competitive. Yeah, I think what they're ultimately trying to do is find a nice mix of youth and veteran leadership because we saw last year when they went out and I I mean I don't know if I speak for everyone but I was surprised when they got PK Subban and now they go out get another veteran defenseman in Ryan Murray who was as I mentioned before a number 2 overall pick. So I know Columbus was trying to clear some cap space but if you only get a fifth-round pick for a former number two overall pick, I don't think that's such a great return on your investment. But the Devils will definitely take advantage of that. They get another solid defenseman and did not at all have to pay a high price for it. Yeah, I, I do see – it's a shame now because now with high, a little bit of hindsight, you see that Columbus didn't really necessarily score on – the big free agents that they were trying to get. So a lot of these trades kind of like, ah, well, you could better, better luck next time at this point. So the next trade is kind of a big one as Paul Stastny was traded back to the Winnipeg Jets by the Vegas Golden Knights this past Friday for Carl Donstrom and a conditional fourth round pick in the 2022 draft. So, Paul Stastny, welcome back to Winnipeg. We know why that trade happened, because in probably about, um, if not today, at some point in this up, next upcoming week, Petrangelo will sign with Vegas, in my humble opinion. Nothing is official, but he's touring the city as we speak. He's looking at the schools and everything. So 
Yeah, that makes sense. I feel bad I did like Stastny in Vegas, but going back to Winnipeg for a decent return is not that bad. Yeah, but this was definitely something that Vegas had to do if they wanted to get um, Petrangelo. Uh, Stastny, veteran guy, was it was a good fit there. He was a good fit in uh, Winnipeg as well. I'm sure he'll fit right back in there, having been there not too long ago. But the Golden Knights definitely needed to clear some cap space if they want Petrangelo, which I, I agree with you. I think they're ultimately going to end up signing him because you don't really go around and look at the school system as one of the first things if you're not seriously considering signing there. So, I mean, if Paul Stastny is what it takes to land Alex Petrangelo, then, all right, they have young pieces, young talented pieces that they can fill Stastny's spot with. And they get one of the best defensemen in the NHL. Yeah, so it's it's very interesting. But, you know, we all know what it's for. And basically, welcome back, Paul Stastny, to Winnipeg. So next trade up, the Ottawa Senators acquire forward Austin Watson from the National Predators in exchange for a 2021 fourth-round pick. Nothing major, nothing bad. Ottawa adds another depth piece. Yeah, Ottawa, as we've mentioned, they need a lot. They – got some defense help. They got a goalie. Why not go out and get a winger and help your offense as well? And uh, then New Jersey acquired Andrus Johnson from the Toronto Maple Leafs in exchange for forward Joey Anderson. A one-for-one, one, both of the players seem to be I, – I, really, to me, there really isn't an, uh, a clear winner in this. It was kind of fairly even. Yeah, I mean, I was a little surprised when uh, – when the Devils and Leafs made that trade, but ultimately I think it it could just be a win-win for both teams. Yeah, and then another – here's uh last two trades. As we know of at this point is uh, yesterday the Colorado Avalanche acquired forward Brandon Saad and defenseman Dennis Gilbert from Chicago in exchange for defenseman Nikita – Zadaroff and Anton Lintom, which I found this, there's a little nugget here that I found very interesting. If you actually look at, and I, I, this is how I've known because I've been watching this on TSN all summer. If you look at the type of trade tree that has transpired from trades like this with Brandon Saad, if you, you can, in a roundabout odd way, Nikita Zadaroff and Anton Lindholm costed Chicago traded them. Chicago received them for basically for lose basically for losing Atemi Panarin in a very weird way, which I find yeah. honestly hilarious. Yeah, because I'm looking at it right now. When they the Blackhawks traded him the first time, they traded him for Artem Nisimov, and then they got him back and they traded Artemi Panarin. And now they trade him again. They get Nikita Zadorov. And all three times, personally, I mean, obviously this third time hasn't panned out yet. But all three times, I, I think they ended up on the short side. Because while, yes, Saad was a big part of their cup runs, uh, as we saw, Artem 
uh, Artem Anisimov did not do a lot in Chicago. And then when they drafted Panarin, they brought him in, sent him out, and we have seen what he has become with the Rangers. And now they trade him out again as a, some salary, and they bring in Zadarov, who's been kind of – his name's been thrown around a lot. But this is not sitting well with a lot of the, the core guys of the Blackhawks. They – with the the Taves and Kane and um, Seabrook and uh, Duncan Keith, they're they're not happy with some of these moves that the uh, the Blackhawks have been making, and I mean, I don't personally think it's the best idea to piss off a your entire leadership because you got Taves has the C, Kane and um, and Keith have the A's, so you don't want to piss them off. They've also won you three cups. So this is not necessarily the greatest thank you, especially after they, I would say, surprised everyone and got past the qualifying round uh, not too long ago. So not necessarily the, the greatest strategy for, uh, for Bowman there in Chicago. Yeah, it's very odd, and I do agree with you. And as we both know now that the locker room isn't necessarily happy about this, but for Chicago, the only thing I think about for Chicago right now is they need to either agree and just say, Hey, we're going to rebuild, or they're going to look at what they're going to look at what they did in the, in the bubble and be like, well, we could kind of compete. And I was like, don't just don't do that. Don't make that mistake. We've seen several teams make that mistake. Don't do it. Yeah, no, you don't want to make that mistake. (laughs) If you think you can kind of compete, that means you're not not quite there yet. If you're fully convinced that you can compete, all right, go for it. If you think this will help your team in the long run, who are we to say no, it won't. But if you're at the point where you're like, all right, I I think maybe, maybe we could do it, you can't. You just can't. Yeah, don't even risk it. So, and last trade up for now is the Colorado Colorado Avalanche acquired defenseman Kyle Burgos. This is where the fun begins. Burgos, okay. From the New York Islanders in exchange for forward A.J. Greer. Minor league move, nothing really to write home about. Yeah, this was uh, defenseman for defenseman. It's literally just swapping RFA rights. So... I think ultimately is what's going to happen is because they were they were both AHL players all year last year. They're both going to re-sign with their new teams, and everyone's going to live happily ever after. Yeah. So we're going to quickly look at the draft right now. Uh, I'm not going to go through the whole draft because we will be here for four hours. As we would be here out. longer than it took for them to actually do the draft. So yeah. So I'm just going to go through the top three picks because those are the ones that everybody was questioning. Uh, first one, the Rangers select Alexi Lafreniere. We knew that from the day that the ping pong ball came out on top. Okay, great. He's going to be a star. Done. Yeah, really nothing to, nothing to deliberate here. The only thing that I am surprised about with this is that the second Bettman said the New York Rangers are on the clock, Jeff Gorton didn't say, all right, picks in. Well, you got to make it – you got to call them. It's you gotta... for show, but <laughs> – Everyone, literally everyone on the planet knew that Lafreniere was going to the Rangers. Yeah. 
So, and then the second pick, which was a little, which was the only one, I think the second pick was the only one who people were like, I don't know who he's gonna, they're going to take. The Kings selected Quinton Byfield, understandable, and fine. And Ottawa selects uh, Tim Stutznell uh, for third overall. Yeah, no, uh, I think the draft was solid, just way too long. Yeah, it was. It was a long time. I didn't get through the whole first round. I, I was trying to hang on, especially since the Islanders didn't have a pick till the third round. I'm like, all right, I'll see what happens. Because usually there's a lot of draft day trades. There was really nothing on at least day one. There was some more on day two, but really nothing on day one. And it was just way too long because I figured that it wouldn't be as long because you don't have to wait for every player to go up and get their jersey and take the pictures because they're in their house but no took long yeah it was it was odd and you know the whole the whole thing is it was really it was a really odd experience to watch the draft because you're you know you're not it's the pomp and circumstance isn't there but you know it was a solid draft to be honest, there wasn't anything going on, but I think that's because a lot of these teams kind of want to stay complacent only because of the uncertainty with the upcoming season, which leads me to probably, hopefully this won't take that long. We have a lot to get through and it's free agency. This was the last three days of all these players trying to figure out where they're going to hang their hats. And I'll be honest, a lot of them did not say I'm going to stay for long. A lot of one, two and three year deals so we won't have much to talk about because they're not going to be there for that long, mostly because a lot of the guys didn't there said, Hey, I'll stay. And then I'll dip. But first up Wayne Simmons started everything off with a deal to Toronto for one year at $1.5 million. Toronto needs to get grittier. That's how you do it. Yeah. Wayne Simmons has always been a, a, a tough player and that's what, Toronto needs they they don't really have that really feisty grittiness that um they well maybe once had when they had Matt Martin for about a season and a half because we all know that Matt Martin is not afraid to go after anyone neither is Wayne Simmons and that's they got him at a a very good price his last prove it deal when he signed with the Devils five million dollars is a lot for a prove it deal but one and a half, I think that that's about right. And he, he signed right away. It's second the market opened. He's like, yep, yeah, I'm going to Toronto. Yeah. So the next up, we have two signings from Chicago. First one being they re-signed Malcolm Subban to a two-year $1.7 million contract. Nothing crazy. It gives them a goalie that can be their – I'm assuming their starter. So, yeah, good job for Chicago. You sign a goaltender. I like Malcolm Subban. I feel like he's kind of an underrated goaltender. He really is pretty solid if you actually watch his games. And he should be pretty good in Chicago. And then Dominic Kubalik signs, a, signs as well with the Blackhawks to a two-year $7.4 million hit. I like Kubalik. I liked him in Pittsburgh a lot. And for him to sign with Chicago, a little – I would say a little steep, but not crazy. Yeah, these were two very necessary signings for Chicago. Uh, when it first broke that Malcolm Subban wasn't tendered a qualifying offer and that they also were not going to re-sign Corey Crawford, I'm thinking to myself, oh, all right, yeah, you're going to 
get rid of both NHL caliber goalies. That's a bold strategy. Let's see how that works out. And then they bring him back. And they bring back Subban right away. So not quite sure what the point of doing that was, of letting him go into free agency for 15 minutes. But also uh, for Kubelik, Calder Trophy nominee this past year or either this past year or the year before, but he he was a big piece in in Chicago. Fans love him. Yeah, he, he's done very well there so far. So two very necessary signings for the Blackhawks. And the next one up is a kind of a feel good story, as Bobby Ryan gets a one year one million dollar deal to Detroit. Good for him. Just just good for him. Yeah, I mean, he wasn't. He's not worth the seven point to whatever million dollars he was making in Ottawa anymore anyway. But especially with, with what he went through last year, as we covered in our uh, Bobby Ryan episode, coming off his Masterton, uh, Masterton uh, trophy win uh, for overcoming adversity, he's been through a lot over really his whole life, but even just more personal inner stuff within the last year. And I'm not at all surprised that Ottawa released him, but it is, it's very good to see that he's, he's still going to be playing. Uh, he, he got a, this is the definition of a private deal. One year, 1 million. I think uh, Bobby Ryan, while I don't necessarily see Detroit going anywhere, I think he's, he's going to be happy. Fresh start. So I think it, this will, uh, benefit him very well and then Detroit was also Detroit's been really busy for free agency as they get John Merrill as well in a one-year $925,000 deal once again nothing crazy to report we can easily move on to the next one yeah just uh one-year signing trying to bolster the blue line as they need a lot so they'll put Merrill right up there in the top six and then uh, Victor Mete signs a one-year $734,000 contract to Montreal. Once again, Montreal just trying to f- stick stuff in, see what fits. Yeah, just try to fill some gaps. Uh, I will say $734,000 is rather specific. Yeah, there's, been a few, there's a lot of those that are just oddly specific numbers that are just odd to me. But the next two signings uh, for your – Stanley Cup champion Tampa Lightning are good deals, in my opinion, because they both signed for a relatively steep, uh, not steep, but relatively good price for what they were worth. The big rig Pat Maroon signs a two-year, $1.8 million deal with Tampa. And, uh, yeah, you deserve it. You 100% deserve it for, for uh, winning back-to-back Stanley Cups, one with St. Louis and one with um, – Tampa Bay and then they signed Luke Shen to a one-year deal with a no trade clause which I feel like is kind of odd but whatever I mean first off one-year deals you don't really necessarily see no trade clauses maybe you see a an eight-team list a 10-team list but to have a no trade clauses on a one-year deal is a little weird also Luke Shen doesn't necessarily scream no trade to me um but regardless of all that, two two big pieces coming back to Tampa. And uh, if Pat Maroon's trend continues, then uh, maybe we're looking at a three-peat for Tampa. 
Interesting. Well, hopefully we'll see, we'll see how that goes. Next up, uh, Vancouver signs Tyler Mott to a two-year deal. All right, nothing crazy. Florida signs Radko Gudis to a three-year, $7.5 million deal. And then Florida, again, they sign, bear with me here, Carter Verhage to a two-year, $2 million deal. Yeah, uh, the, the Gudis one was actually a little surprising to me. Not necessarily that he signed with Florida, but that he got – uh, as long and as much as he did. Um, Gudis is, in my opinion, one of the, the dirtier players in the league. We have seen him get suspended um, several times. He decided that it'd be a good idea to tomahawk someone over the head with their stick. So not necessarily sure why he's getting $2.5 million a year, but Florida needs to uh, improve on their defense because um, Aaron Eckblad and uh, is Keith Yandel still there? I think he is. I believe he's still yeah, there. Yeah, they can't do it all themselves. So getting a, a defenseman is going to help them out. And Verhage, he's he's back. Uh, he, he did pretty well for them uh, in a limited playing role in the, in the playoffs. And uh, so now we get to – I guess we can call this the fun part of what happened on Friday because there was a goalie carousel. Yeah. So the first domino to fall in this whole thing was Henrik Lundqvist. Oh, my God. I can't believe I'm saying this. um, Is a Washington capital for one year, $1.5 million. Okay. okay, You can cry. (laughs) It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. This is a uh, this is great for Lundqvist. I mean, everyone everyone knew that after the hurricane swept him, everyone knew Lundqvist was gone. No one was going to trade for him at his cap hit. So the only way for the Rangers to get that salary cap back was to release him. And I got to admit, being an Islander fan, it it was it was still a sad day because it was for what the better part of almost. Like 15 years, you think New York hockey, it's first guy that comes to mind, Henrik Lundqvist. Now just the fact that he's on a division rival, uh, he's going to be wearing red, which is going to be very odd. And he's going to be in a different number, which is also going to be very odd. So, but great, great for Lundqvist. He'll get the starting gig for, uh, Washington, I'm sure he'll be a good mentor for uh, Ilya Samsonov, who is the backup for the Capitals, and he'll be able to mentor him. And Lundqvist gets to continue his career. And the only thing I, that I am hopeful of is that um, hopefully when Lundqvist makes his first trip back to the Garden, uh, hopefully we'll have some fans in attendance so he can get the, uh, the standing ovation that he uh, so rightfully deserves. Absolutely. And it, it sucks, but I'm, you know what? You can't help but be happy for the guy. And a lot of people compare this to um, Lundqvist going to the Capitals to Brodeur going to St. Louis. And the it's uncanny how I think right they are. Cause I'll be honest, a one-year deal. I don't see him going past this season to be honest, especially if the, let's say for argument's sake, the season does go just back into a bubble. You can't, you can't really do that to, uh, the older players because you know you, you're going to leave your family for 
few months. It just doesn't feel. It won't be right. So good for him. He'll always – trust me, he'll always be a Ranger in everybody's minds. So, but one year for the Caps, it's – Yeah, that's going to be uh, I'll, I'll, it's gonna be a little weird, as you, you mentioned. I don't know if he's going to go past this season because we are starting tentatively January 1st. Uh, if you combine that with the bubble and he's – He's 38. He's going to more than likely be the starter. They're playing 82 games starting January 1st. That's a lot to ask for a 38-year-old goalie. So that's going to put a lot of wear and tear on Lundqvist. Now, I'm not necessarily sure how much Peter Laviolette's going to start him. Uh, It all depends on how he's playing, but I I would agree with you. I would be surprised if he's... uh, if he's in the league when uh, Seattle gets here. It should be an interesting season, to say the least. So next up, uh, Cam Talbot signs with the Wild, three years, 11 million. Really steep. Wild, what are you doing? Yeah, Cam Talbot is not at all worth $11 million anymore. There was, when he first came up, when Lundqvist went, went down, when he was with the Rangers, really when they were both with the Rangers, which is weird that we can say now, but Talbot filled that hole very, very well. And then when he went to Edmonton, they they burnt him out because Edmonton had one goalie, and his name was Cam Talbot. And he played, I would say, at least 60, 65 games. They burnt him out. And to see him get a three-year deal worth um, more than $3 million a year when you just traded away a goalie that makes not much more than that. Again, not quite sure what Bill Guerin is up to. Yeah, very odd and very confusing, to be honest. But I don't understand. I will say that because Alex Stalock cannot carry that team. Absolutely not. They need another. They, need, they needed somebody. And all right, Cam Talbot, sure, whatever. That that's going to be interesting to see. I just I really hope that he could play it bounce back because he's he's a really good goaltender. He's a really good guy too, and he deserves to play on a, a solid team. But the sad thing is the Wild are not a solid team. But next up, we have two signings by the Oilers, as the Oilers signed Kyle Turris to a two-year, three-point-three million-dollar deal, and then they go out and sign Alan Queen uh, Quinn, I believe. Alan Quine, yes, Quine. the the Islanders legend, Alan Quine. To a one-year, $750,000 contract. Oilers, I, the Oilers, I think they just wanted to get more pieces because they, it's McDavid, Dreisaitl, and a bunch of scrubs, period. Yeah, I mean, Tourist was a good signing. It was because now they'll add to their already pretty decently stacked offense. As you mentioned, they got... McDavid, they got Dreisaitl, they they have um, Brian Nugent Hopkins, they still got him, and they add another piece here in Kyle Turris, who is a a, a very uh, solid uh, player, and then Alan Quine, he's not a piece. He's I don't necessarily know why they signed him. I'm still very surprised he's in the league, to be totally honest, because I saw him as an Islander, and he had one moment. Like, yeah, it was a 
big moments, somehow scoring a double overtime goal in the playoffs. But that's really all he did. Every time he played, he was either hurt five minutes in or he just turned it over. So I think the Oilers just needed a body, honestly. Yeah, but good for Alan Klein. Good for him, yeah. So now next one up is um, we're going to jump around a bit here. As, you know, we, if we go through this all day, we'll be here till like 5 o'clock. So next up is Vancouver gets Stanley Cup champion Braden Hopi at a two-year $4.3 million contract. This is where I started to notice that a lot of the contracts that are going to be handed out in free agency are two-year deals, which I'm, I originally I was like, hmm, I wonder why everybody's handing out two-year deals. And then I said, wait a second, there's an expansion draft coming and you need guys to leave exposed. Braden Hope, watch Braden Hope be on Seattle. I, I'll call it right now. This was, without a doubt, I'm not at all surprised he left Washington at all because the second they signed Lundquist, even before they signed Lundquist, I'm like, hope he's gone. He's going somewhere in Canada. I was thinking either the Flames or the the Oilers. My mind had the Flames more so. But then I saw he went to the Canucks. I'm like, all right, cool. He can mentor Thatcher Demko. And then I saw the contract, and Vancouver just got a steal right here because, yeah, his, uh, he hasn't played as many games in the past few seasons as he had the season before, but Braden Holpe is still at a very minimum top 10 goalie, if not still a top 5 goalie. And see him only get two years and not even get four and a half million dollars per year. That that's very surprising to me, unless there was some conversation he had with Vancouver saying, All right, we're gonna make a run for it this year. If it doesn't work out, pack your bags, you're going to Seattle. At this point, you're right, with the two year deal, I wouldn't be surprised if he goes to Seattle. If you would ask me about 15 minutes before he signed this deal, if he would ever play for Seattle, I'd say no. Well, not through the draft. No, not, not through the draft at all, but it's, it's interesting to see where all these guys are, do end up going. And it, it's been interesting to see, you know, all the tournaments handed out. Cause you're right. Like Seattle, like a lot of these guys are like, all right, you know, if you can play here, sure. And then we'll sign you down the road. If not, then uh, we'll have fun in Seattle, bud. Yeah, but the I, what these teams aren't realizing is that they're doing this, this to very, very capable players. One of those capable players being Brayden Holpe, who very, it very, mal, very may well turn out to be another Marc-Andre Fleury situation. The Penguins were like, all right, go to Seattle. Uh, not Seattle, to Vegas. And he's like, all right, I'll take you to a Stanley Cup in your first year. Yeah, so I I do I agree with you. I really do think that a lot of these players who are being offered these, like it's going to be, you, you're trying to avoid what happens with Vegas, but you're kind of making it really easy for them, especially yeah, with Trent inevitable. Like that. Yeah, I, they probably won't do as well as Vegas, but they'll probably be good out of the gate, I would Especially, in, uh... I, mean, I wouldn't be surprised at all, especially if 
Holtby goes from Vancouver to Seattle, they're going to be in the same division. So that's already the start of their rivalry that I'm sure they're already going to have anyway. Yeah, so then two more signings right after that for the New York Rangers. Another more two-year signings as you have Kevin Rooney and Colin Blackwell, both signing two-year deals, 1.5 and 1.45 million respectively. That's center depth. You know, that's something that I think the Rangers surprisingly weren't as focused on in free agency and the draft as I thought they would have been. And we'll get to why later down the line, because we have the other two bigger signings, in my opinion, that the Rangers did to close out the first day of free agency. But two centerpieces, nothing crazy. Yeah, this is more of a stocking up on depth. Uh signings for the Rangers. And then Anton Forsberg signs a one-year deal with Edmonton. Once again, more depth for them. And then the big one, Markstrom to the Flames. Six years, $36 million. Good for Jacob Markstrom. That is all I can say about that one. I In no way, shape, or form did I see him, A, getting a seven-year deal, B, getting a much bigger contract than Braden Holtby. And, I mean, the Flames, they needed a goalie. They really did because Mike Smith, as I've said many times on this show, has glass bones and paper skin. I'm sure that's... Part of the what like part of that is because he is 38, or he's just also just very susceptible to injuries. But the Flames really needed a goalie. They went out and they got their man, and yeah, they're going to be very happy with Markstrom. And that his career really kind of took off once he left Florida and he went to Vancouver. So he proved what he can do there. He got his contract and I think both sides there are going to be very happy and then um, Anton Kudobin is not going home as he signs a three-year deal for 10.5 million dollars with Dallas I'm surprised not by the money but at the term because he is one of the old he was one of the older older goaltenders on the market and I get nobody really wanted to bite on that because you know father time is undefeated so I'm surprised that he stayed in Dallas for three years. But once again, three years, you can wash your hands of it for Seattle if he's cooked. Yeah, and also a very, very well-deserved contract for Kudobin. He stepped up big time in the playoffs without Ben Bishop in net for the Stars, carried them to game six of the Stanley Cup finals. And if you walk away from a guy that just did that to you, said, all right, thanks, see ya. You, you, you can't do that. He carried that team on his back. And that was really the most he's started in a long time because he was the backup for Tuka Rask in Boston not too long ago. And to just be thrown right back into a starting role at 34 years old and is a lot, to ask him to do that, in the playoffs is something else. He lived up to the challenge and then some. So Anton Kudobin, very, very well-deserved contract. 
And then right after that, we had Alex Winberg going to Florida for one year, $2.25 million. Interesting signing, but for Florida, they are just trying to, you know, become competitive again. Yeah, they, they are. They, they've made the, they made the playoffs this past year. They were one of the last teams in, but they, they did make it. They didn't perform as well as they had hoped, but the, they struggled against the Islanders all year. The biggest thing with Wenberg is I'm surprised that Columbus released him. I know that they're trying to clear as much cap space as possible with, when they were going after Hall and Petrangelo. Who knows? Maybe they're looking at Mike Hoffman. Who knows what they're doing? But just to, to see him be released, uh, he, he hasn't really struggled. He's only 26, so I'm not quite sure why the, the uh, Blue Jackets picked him to release, but what it, what's their loss is should ultimately end up being uh, Florida's gain. Absolutely, and you know, I I feel bad for him because like he was he was really good in the playoff series against Tampa, and you know now it's like all right, here we're gonna buy you out because we want to go get Taylor Hall, and he's already told you no, so. So we're just gonna release you because you know, um, you make too much money, and we regret giving that to you. So, and then another signing here uh, for the New York Rangers is they sign Keith Kincaid. I saw this and I was confused because it's a two-year deal, $875,000. It is a depth deal, I guess, because you're going to – the only reason that this signing happened is because you don't want to leave Shesterkin and – Bless you. Thank you. And Georgiev – exposing the expansion draft so you can leave Keith Kincaid but wow why Keith Kincaid (laughs) yeah that one was kind of surprising um I'm sure that's just a either a in case of an emergency if one of these guys gets hurt deal or they needed a, a goalie in the minors because um Keith Kincaid when he first started solid goalie but really kind of fell off a cliff which is part of the reason why his the overall salaries have gone down. And it's not like the Rangers needed another goalie. If they needed a good goalie, they would have kept Lundqvist. Yeah, that's I'm kind of surprised with it, but I do think that it's kind of just a depth piece, and that's going to be it. So next yeah, up, Tyler Ennis. Don't be surprised if he ends up on Seattle. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be. So, yeah, and Tyler Ennis signs with Edmonton one year, $1 million. Once again, another signing for Edmonton to just bolster the depth of the lineup. And another one, which, Ryan, I don't know if you saw that. I know you saw this, but I am still confused, and I'm still disappointed. Jack Johnson is a New York Ranger for one year, $1 million, the only reason that that signing doesn't make me want to rip my eyes out is because it's only a year at a million dollars, but Jack Johnson? Yeah. Um, what? Why? I, I don't understand this one at all because, well, first off, when the Penguins signed him to that oddly long, rich contract, 
I didn't understand it then. And then when he didn't live up to what he signed for at all, I was not at all surprised that they released him. But then to see the Rangers go out and get him makes me, well, yes, confused, but also wonder if maybe that means, if is he just a depth piece? Is he like a seventh, eighth defender? Does that mean maybe a guy like D'Angelo is not coming back? I, Kinda, I don't know. a head scratcher there. I think I honestly think it's a depth piece because you're you're I'm telling you right now your your third line for New York for defensive pairings is going to be Jack Johnson and Brendan Smith and they're just going to be cannon fodder for the NHL basically because I get it why they did it because he brings some veteran presence you know you lost Mark Stahl that was your main guy for which you know, they needed to do <laughs> yeah and. I, you know, the only thing that doesn't make me a hundred percent hate the signing is because it's, it is a, it's a one-year deal. It's a prove it deal. It's John Davidson calling up Jack Johnson saying, show me what you got and maybe I'll resign you. That is it. Yeah. Like Jack Johnson, solid defender when he was with the Kings, when he was with the Blue Jackets, very solid defender. And then he signs with the Penguins plays 140-something games and puts up 25 points, 24 points, sorry. And he's done almost double that in a single season before. So he has very much passed his prime. So I think he's ultimately lucky that he got a uh, one-year deal from the Rangers of all teams. Yeah, I, I really – I don't know what to say anymore about this signing because it's just – it's something that when I saw it, I didn't believe it. If you ask me. It didn't need to be signed. It didn't, but whatever. It happened, and Jack Johnson is a New York Ranger. Okay. Speaking of Ranger defensemen, Kevin Shattenkirk, Stanley Cup champion Kevin Shattenkirk. Uh, signs with the Anaheim Ducks, three years, $11.7 million. This reeks of, all right, I got my cup. I want to get paid. It it does, because talk about a huge step back. You you start with, uh, with the Lightning. You're, you're there, and you get, they got him for, I would, if I remember correctly, relatively cheap. He goes out, helps them win a cup, and... He's like, all right, I got my ring. I'm going to go to whoever pays me the most money, even if that means I'm going nowhere for a few years. That's all right. I got a ring. Who cares? And the Ducks are one of those teams that are going nowhere for a while. And now this kind of also makes me question if Kevin Shattenkirk's in it for the money or if he's in it because he actually loves hockey. It's kind of one of those deals. Because if you get offered, I don't know if the Lightning offered him anything or if they did, if it was anything close to what he had signed for. But if all you care about is the money, then obviously you're going to follow the money regardless of whether the team has a shot or not. But if the Lightning offered him even anything close to what the Ducks did, if he truly was in it for the love of the game, he would have stayed in Tampa. 
Yeah, I I do think that. But at this point, I think I he he was on an interview yesterday with uh, NHL Network on Sirius XM, um, and he literally I and I quote he mentioned something along the lines of. Yeah, you know, I was have. I mean, I won my championship, and now I have a new opportunity in Anaheim to play the game I love. That's not saying that you know that reeks to me of saying, "All right, I'm done. I want my money." Yeah, it it does. It was pretty much the nice professional way of saying, "I'm a champion now. I'm going to get paid." Which, all right, whatever. I'm okay with that, and. uh have fun in Anaheim for three years. So yeah, you're gonna time, not go anywhere. Yeah, you're gonna go down. You maybe you can, do, you can go to Disneyland. Yeah, I mean you can go to Disneyland. Hey, you're not far from uh, Angel Stadium. Might as well go see Mike Trout play. I mean you're <laughs> gonna have summers off. Yeah, might as well. Uh, so next up, uh, Justin Schultz to the Washington Capitals, two years, eight million dollars. I don't understand why Pittsburgh let him go, but. All right, the Caps are trying to rebuild. Well, not rebuild. They're trying to retweak to go get another cup. They're on the right track here. Yeah, it's very, very solid signing for the for the Capitals. Again, as you mentioned, I'm not sure why Pittsburgh let them go either. I I seriously think we're getting very close to just the ultimate downfall of the Penguins. Uh, obviously, Crosby's not going anywhere for the rest of his career. Malkin, I'd say, is maybe 50-50 if that whole Russian uh, crime doesn't come back to arrest him. But Crosby obviously not going anywhere. I think that moves like this when the Penguins let go, a very solid defenseman, and then he goes and signs with a division rival who is, I would go out and say at this point is probably your biggest rival in the division with all the playoff matchups that we've seen over the years uh, doesn't make much sense. But for Washington, I think it was, it was a very, very easy pickup. They already have a very solid uh, decor. They got Dimitri Orlov. They got John Carlson. Now they're going to throw in Justin Schultz, and their, their defense is going to be set for another run. Exactly. It's going to be solid. And now you have Lundquist, which I think is probably one of the safer bets to say, hey, if the puck gets past us, it can't get past you, right? So that's basically how it's going to go. So next up, Anthony DiTetto. I uh, hope I'm saying that right. To the New York Rangers for two years, $1.475 million. Another depth piece uh, to bolster up the defensive core again. So, yeah, no, nothing crazy there. And then we're going to get into – now here we go in the last you know few minutes here. We're going to go through all the big names who went. You know, the biggest names we have we know of so far. So first up is TJ Brody. Four years, twenty million dollars to play in Toronto. Yeah, uh, good signing for Toronto. Um I th- didn't necessarily think TJ Brody was a uh five million dollar a year player, but the uh, the Leafs do get a, a good defenseman. They've been all sorts of messed up on their defense. And I, I am surprised at the, the money that they gave him, too, considering that they are, they're also in um, what we'll call cap hell 
with uh, between Marner, Matthews, Tavares, Freddie Anderson. They've got some big contracts, and to uh, bring in a another big contract was a little bit uh, curious, but the Leafs filled a very very big hole with the with this signing. No, they did, and I am. I think it's a solid signing for them. And once again, yeah, that's not your problem. That the Leafs' biggest problem right now is the cap hell. Then the once you figure that out, either either win a cup, blow it up, and we can just stop talking about it, or you know, figure something out. Because I think um, you know your days are numbered with the core that you have now, especially because you're going to lose a lot of pieces coming forward. So next up. We have Tory Krug, one of the bigger names out there on the free agent market, signing with the St. Louis Blues for a seven-year, $445.5 million contract. And this, to me, tells me that, yeah, this basically confirmed to me that Petrangelo is gone. Yeah. Um, this, first off, um, this was a probably the most surprising signing to me because I did not see Crew going to the Blues at all. I had heard Detroit. I had heard maybe Boston would circle back. But at the end of the day, I guess either St. Louis just offered him the most or he wanted the change of scenery. But I did not see him going to the Blues at all. And to see the Blues spend this money and then still have to re-sign Petrangelo pretty much confirms that they're, they're going to be moving on from uh, Alex Petrangelo, especially since that uh, he would be making more than Krug and to bring in two big contracts like that, while it would be great for your defense, it would be terrible for your cap space. No, absolutely. It's not a good sign for them. And you just, you got you to think of how this is going to go. And I do think, as we said at the top of the, this episode, that, you know, Petrangelo's going to go to Vegas. There's, there's no real like, – unless something really changes, I, I think he's just going to go there solidly. So, and now the goalie carousel continues as Corey Crawford signs with the New Jersey Devils for two years, $7.8 million. Once again, another contract that reeks of Seattle that they're yeah. – that, they're going to have a lot of good goalies to choose from, to be honest. They really are. And uh, it's, going to see, it's going to be weird seeing Corey Crawford in a Devils jersey, but also the fact that he got almost $8 million uh, with everything he's been through in the past few years. Uh, his performance has been down. He's been injured a lot. The fact that the Devils are giving him $8 million is kind of surprising to me. I didn't honestly think they needed uh, a big name goalie. I mean, they have Mackenzie Blackwood, who did very, very well once they finally became smart and gave him uh, the starting job. They finally got rid of Corey Schneider's contract, which was ridiculously long overdue. And then to go out and sign another goalie who's also past his prime and is making well, now almost $4 million a year doesn't really make sense to me. But I wouldn't necessarily be surprised if when Seattle comes into the league, if their goaltending 
tandem isn't something like Braden Holtby, Corey Crawford, or Crawford and Kincaid, would not at all surprise me. Not at all. And I do think that for that for New Jersey, this is a solid pickup. And uh, yeah, as much as Crawford's been on the up and down, I think uh, he, he has a chance to really show off in New Jersey and prove that he's worth more than a two-year contract. And then we're going to hop over off the um, from New Jersey, go a little up further to Long Island as Thomas Grice leaves the Islanders and goes for a two-year, $7.2 million contract to Detroit. Solid pickup for Detroit. Um, I don't know why you went out and went out and signed a you signed a solid goaltender. I know they needed a goaltender, but Grice is going to be good for them. I don't think this hurts the Islanders all that much. You have Varlamov, who proved to be your rock in the really good cup and a good conference final run this past season, and you have a Russian stud, which seems to be surprising. How the both the Islanders and the Rangers both have really good, you know, Russian-born goaltenders. And so do the Capitals now you think about it. But, yeah, so this doesn't really hurt, I think. At least coming from a Ranger fan, it doesn't hurt. I mean, it's more of a a morale thing than anything else because just about everybody knew that once the Islanders brought Sorokin over, that Grice was going to be gone because his contract was almost over and they just signed Varlama. So – to see him leave was not at all surprising because he statistically when it's now that it's all said and done, he will go down as one of the greatest goalies in Islanders history, which nobody expected him to even be here for more than a year or two, let alone carry uh, this team through the play into the playoffs in 2016 and everything he did uh, this year in a, limited role and last year in a almost split role with uh, Robin Leonard so he deserves to be starting it no everyone knew it wasn't going to be as an Islander and the Red Wings they needed a goalie they just as just about everyone else does uh, Bernier was not cutting it they just released uh, Jimmy Howard who also wasn't cutting it anymore and they saw what Thomas Grice was capable of and they made a very good smart signing and he'll get the starting job in Detroit and he'll he'll be missed here on Long Island but ultimately it's not a surprise at all that he left yeah so good for him Um, I'm happy that he's going to a city who needs him and I do got to say Detroit surprised me this this free agency and they should be uh, they should be better not good but hard much worse yeah. In so next, fairness, it would be hard to be worse. Yeah, it would be. So next up, Craig Smith signs a three-year, $9.3 million deal with Boston. Nice pickup for Boston after losing, you know, Krug already. So, you know, nice person to bring in. And then uh, another big name to be moved, Tyson Berry moves to the Oilers for a one-year, $3.75 million hit. Yeah, Tyson Berry, he's, he's just been – all over the place. He's uh, started out in Colorado, got to play alongside Nathan McKinnon, goes to Toronto, gets to play alongside John Tavares and Austin Matthews. Now he gets to play alongside Connor McDavid. So he's got some uh, s- some very talented teammates in his uh, in his tenure. And Edmonton gets a a very solid defenseman who 
I personally believe will be, if not on their top pair, he'll be a top four for sure. Absolutely. And, you know, I like the pickup for Edmonton. The term is not bad, and it's a nice prove-it deal for him. So next up, another thing from the Oilers is they finally get their goaltender. Yay, they got Mike Smith um, for one year. Welcome back, Mike. Absolutely. This is this is just sad. I think, as you said, Mike Smith is not a great goaltender in the Oilers. You needed somebody. I remember that I heard that Grice was going to go to them. That didn't happen, and this kind of just feels like the consolation prize. This is a terrible consolation prize, and nobody in Edmonton is happy about this. I'm sure they were very happy when they got rid of him. But now they got Miko Koskinen and Mike Smith, who that is that is not good. That's you have two of the best players in the NHL, and you're going into battle with either Miko Koskinen or uh, Mike Smith in net. That is not that's not going to get you anywhere. They had so many options they could have gotten. I mean, I didn't see Holtby necessarily going there, but he was an option. Maybe Markstrom, they really messed that one up. Could have gotten Crawford, just about anyone. And they end up with Mike Smith. Yeah, that's disappointing. That's really disappointing. But I, I, I'm, now I'm curious to watch Edmonton this upcoming season just to see, like, they have to outscore their opponent before they outscore them, like, before they just let in a ton of pucks. So I'm I'm curious to see how that goes. Yeah, it's getting to the point where uh, McDavid and Drysaddle are going to have to put up six by halfway through the second period just to even be up by like a goal or two. Exactly, it's going to be yeah, that's going to be rough. So last three signings that we know of so far is um, a few depth signings actually. Jesper Faust signs the Carolina Hurricanes, three years, six million dollars. This, uh, you know, this to me is a necessary signing. Uh, Carolina needed a little bit more offensive help that showed in the series against Boston. And, um, yeah, Jesper Fossil fell that in. He was good in New York, but there's no place for him anymore because you look at the wings in New York and just there's a lot of star power there. You don't need Jesper Foss. With a quick little fun note for Ranger fans is that with Jesper Foss going to Carolina, there is now – a single player from the 2014 Stanley Cup final team. Yeah, now there is. Uh, who was it, Chris Kreider? Yeah. Yeah, yeah well, now that they rookie, sent Mark Wall away. But, yeah, good good signing for, for Carolina. Uh, he'll, he'll go join the, uh, the bunch of jerks down there. Uh, very very high powered offense as we've we've seen the past couple of seasons. So I'm pretty sure he'll he'll fit right in there. Yeah, absolutely, and it's you know good pickup for Carolina, and uh, I really do hope Carolina does well because they've got a lot of nice talent there, and they have a good you know they have a good team, and I would like to see them do better. This past season, really losing to Boston was kind of disappointing, but they have a good. You know, they've lost to Boston twice now. Just don't play Boston, and you, you should make the cup at this point. So next signing up is Zach Bogosian to the Leafs. One year, $1 million. Nice prove-it deal for a Stanley, a defending Stanley Cup champion. And 
good term for the Leafs is it's a million dollars. You can wash your hands of it because you have no cap space as is. Yeah, and uh, as we mentioned before, uh, the, the Leafs needed help on defense. They signed a couple of defensemen, and I think it'll be a, a win-win for both both teams, uh, both uh, parties, rather. Yeah, absolutely. It should be fun. And I, I, the last signing here, nothing major, Vlad Nemestikov signs with the Wings, two years, $4 million. So another depth piece, nice signing for the Wings. But besides all that, that has been your free agency with a lot of, you know, names that we didn't get to mention just because there was, there's a, there was a lot of, like, minor-ish deals, you know, nothing crazy. And a lot of the threes and two-year deals that, you know, are kind of irrelevant. So my question to you, Ryan, before we, we, we sign off here, is um, we've seen the 2020 season. Who do you think – let's play really bad hypothetical because we're re- usually wrong with this. 2021. Who comes out on top? Hmm. 2021 Stanley Cup champion. Let's see. Way too early predictions for next season. Um, it's a very good question. I. Hmm. Here, I'll make it easier. Pick one from the West and one from the East. Okay, so from the West, I'm going to go Vegas. This assuming that they do end up with Petrangelo because they still have their superstar goalie tandem with Leonard getting his nice, very much deserved five-year extension. They still got Flurry. Adding Alex Petrangelo to that mix would be very helpful. So I'll go Vegas. And I'm going to go with I'm hmm. for the Jeopardy theme to just start playing in the background. Too. <laughs> it, I'll go Vegas and I'll, I'll say Tampa again. I wouldn't be surprised if they go back. I mean, they lost a couple of defensemen shouldn't really have any problems filling that hole. Uh, they're going to get a healthy Stamkos back. Uh, now that they seem we're breaking point capable of carrying a team, they're, they're going to go places. And so I'm going to go Vegas and Tampa, the Stanley Cup matchup that could have happened this year that I think just about nobody wanted to see. I wanted to see I think see we'll it. see it next year. Okay, other than you. <laughs> Fair enough. I think we'll see it next year. All right. So for me, I would say from the East, I'll say Tampa. Tampa or Samba or a miracle run from the Metro. That That's my thing. Is a Metro team comes out and beats Tampa somehow and goes to the final and wins. Or Tampa. And from the West, I'm going to say Colorado. Something about Colorado. Okay. Thinks it that me thinks like all right they they could win a cup in the recent year so with I mean, they, they could. they're a very good young team oh they are and I and I think that they they're gonna reach their stride next season or the season after because they they really can win I, I I do think they just need to all mix together perfectly and just play well and you'll be fine you know they they 
and just once again don't lose to Dallas. Yeah, that's that's it's almost like uh Carolina losing to Boston all the time. Yeah, it's just you gotta you, once you beat that, yeah, you're good. You'll 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 win a cup at that just point. Get over the hump, we'll be fine. Yeah. So with that, we thank you all for joining us here at Post to Post. We will hopefully see you on at or around 2021 in some way, shape, or form. If not, then we will see you at some point. So we will see you next time and enjoy the off season. See you soon.